I always like vacations, but I always like it when they're over and everybody gets back and I get to see you again. Today we want to go to 2 Kings chapter 5 and we're going to continue our study and our series of messages entitled A New Season. A New Season. Let's go to chapter 5 verse 1 and let's begin to read together. It says, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went and told his Lord, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And so he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read... When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word that the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, and he and all his company, and he came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel, so accept now a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives, before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it. But Elisha refused. Then Naaman said, If not, please let there be given to your servant two mule loads of earth, for from now on your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice 
to any God but the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the house of Rimmon to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, when I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. And Elisha said to him, go in peace. But when Naaman had gone from him just a short distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, See, my master has spared this Naaman, the Syrian, in not accepting from his hand what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him, and I will get something from him. So Gehazi followed Naaman, and when Naaman saw someone running after him, <clears throat> he got down from the chariot <clears throat> to meet him, and he said, Is all well? And he said, all is well. My master has sent me to say, there have just now come to me from the hill country of Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothing. And Naaman said, be pleased to accept two talents. And he urged him and tied up two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of clothing and laid them on two of his servants, and they carried them before Gehazi. And when he came to the hill, he took them from their hand and put them in the house, and he sent the men away, and they departed. And he went in, and he stood before his master. And Elisha said to him, Where have you been, Gehazi? And he said, Your servant was nowhere. But he said to him, did not my heart go when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Was it a time to accept money and garments, olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male servants and female servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants Forever. And so he went out from his presence, a leper like snow. Father, thank you for your word today. Once again, I ask you to help me to communicate effectively. Lord, there is a word this morning that needs to be released to your people. You've chosen me to release that word, but I need your help. I pray that you'll help me to communicate effectively, to think efficiently to be able to say what needs to be said in such a way that your people can hear it and understand it and receive it in their heart and in their mind and then apply it to their lives. For Lord, we've all heard enough sermons in our lifetime that we should be perfect people by now, but we're not because oftentimes we hear your word and then we discard it or push it aside. Don't let that happen today, Lord. But let your word accomplish everything that you send it forth to do this day in the lives of your people. And Father, I'll be grateful to you. And I'll give you all of the praise and the glory and the honor. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you give your neighbor a fist bump or a high five and say, I'm ready if you are. <clears throat> it has been said that God accepts you as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. 
That's true, isn't it? God will accept us as we are, but he loves us so much that he initiates change in our lives. Often, we only think of new seasons as being a miracle that meets an immediate need. We all have immediate needs today, things that need to take place in our lives today. And for many of us, we believe and we feel that it requires a miracle to change that season. But what if God wants to use your circumstances to change you? What if God wants to take your hard times so that he can develop you into the man or the woman that he wants you to be? I've told you this many times, God loves you, but he's not interested in making you comfortable. He's interested in making you conformable to his will. And if he has to allow some difficult days to come into your life in order to accomplish that, he will do that. So what if the miracle is meant to move us in a direction of spiritual development and maturity? If that is the purpose of our hardship, then we should never kick against the thorns, but instead say to God, I will go through this season with you knowing that I am not alone, that you have not disregarded my need, but you are bringing me to a place of not partial victory, but total victory in my life. Now in this passage of scripture today, we have several, several characters that are involved, several role players, if you will. You may have noticed that there was a man by the name of Naaman in the scripture today. You may have seen that there is a young girl there that is simply known as the servant girl. There is a king of Israel. There is a king of Syria. There is Elisha, the prophet of God. There is the servants that served Naaman and spoke to him in a, a time when he needed to hear. And then, of course, there was Gehazi, who is the servant to Elisha. <clears throat> so there are several players in this story. There are several characters that we see. Now, what I want you to see today out of this message is that each of these characters was confronted with a new season. Some of them were pushed into a new season, and others, others of them were pulled into a new season. Now, there's a difference when you are pushed into a season. You have no choice. You have no control whatsoever. It is what it is. You have no ability to choose not to go into that season because you are pushed into it. Others are pulled into it, and they choose to involve themselves in a situation <clears throat> that they would not necessarily have to play a role in. So some are pushed in, and some are pulled in. We'll also discover that each character determined their own personal response. They all got to choose how they would respond to the circumstance and to the new season that they would enter into. And their personal response determined the nature of their new season, whether good or bad. I remember several years ago there was a song written by Israel Houghton that he would sing quite frequently that just said, it's a new season, it's a new day. 
And I remember every time hearing that song, I would always think, think in terms of positive things, in positive seasons, in blessings, in being exalted, in being lifted up. I never one time listened to him sing that song and thought, I'm getting ready to go through a difficult season in my life. I always thought it would be good. I was, I was watching on TV this week someone who was prophesying over everyone in the congregation. And they were prophesying this one and prophesying that one and prophesying to that one. And I listened for quite a while. And in my mind, I was wondering whether or not that individual would ever pick somebody out and say, you're getting ready to walk through hell. You're getting ready to have something bad happen to you. You're getting ready to have a bad report from your doctor. You're getting ready to get a notice in the mail that, that you're almost bankrupt. I listened for a long time, and I never heard one negative prophecy that went forth. I'm here to tell you today that not everything that happens in your life is going to be good. Not everything that happens in your life is going to make you feel good. There are times... When God will allow you to go through a season in your life that will try your patience and try your faith. But the victory comes when you move through that season and come out on the other side blessed and stronger and more determined than you were when you went into that difficulty. So as we look at these characters today, I want us to consider the following observations. Number one, new seasons begin with new circumstances. Now, how many of you hate change? Can I see your hands? Most of us hate change. We work our whole life to get something the way that we want it, and then just as soon as we get it the way that we want it, something changes and throws us in a position where we have to deal with the change. I don't know about you. I, I, well, obviously, it's clear that you don't like change. I love change. There are times that I change things just for the fun of it. As an example, I change my underwear every day. <laughs> Whether I need to or not, I enjoy that process. I like it. This morning I had a little difficulty with it. I discovered that I'd put them on backwards and I, I had to re-robe before I came to church. But I like change. My wife likes change. I like to take a shower every now and then. At least once every couple of weeks because it makes me feel fresher. Makes me smell better. I like change. I don't mind it at all. But sometimes we are pushed into change when we don't really want to experience the change in our lives, new seasons begin with new circumstances. So when you start talking to people and saying, yeah, I'm ready for a new season. I'm ready for a new thing in my life. I'm ready for something different to change. I'm, I'm ready to experience something different. You better watch what you say because not every new season will turn out positively it may work something positive in your life, but it also could be something very difficult for you to have to na navigate through. Let's look at those characters briefly. Number one, Naaman. He was a famous man. He was a great warrior. He was respected among the king there. 
He had, he had uh, been responsible for bringing great, great victory uh, to Syria and overcame Aram when no one else could do it. In fact, histor historians tell us that the arrow that was found in the body of the king of Aram belonged to Naaman. They give him credit for being the one who killed the king that ended the war. He was highly respected. He was well known. But the scripture says, but he was a leper, which meant that he had some type of a skin disease. He had lived all of his life being respected. He had lived all of this time being known as a great warrior, as an overcomer. And now a few white spots on his skin was going to cause him great tragedy in his life. He was ushered in. He was pushed in to a new season in his life. What about the servant girl? We don't know much about her except that she was captured during one of the battles that Naaman led. She was a servant girl. We don't know about her family. We don't know if her father was killed in the battle. If she had uh, brothers, it's very possible that they may have been killed in the battle. If she had younger brothers, they may have been taken captive so that they could train them and raise them up in the ways of, of, of in Syrian ways. We just don't know. All we know is that she was captured and she was brought into Naaman's household and she had to serve Naaman's wife every day. Can you imagine being in a situation where every day of your life you have to look at someone who had captured you and taken you away from your household? She was a happy little girl, loving life, living life, and now she's captured and brought into the house of Naaman and required to serve his family. It was a new season. Then consider the king of Syria. He was conflicted about helping a faithful servant find favor with a hated adversary. The king of Syria hated the king of Israel. And now he's in a position where Naaman has come and said, I have leprosy and I need your help so that I can get where I need to be. And so the king of Syria had to decide, am I going to help? Am I going to bless? Am I going to get involved? He was pulled into a situation that was not his own. The king of Israel had the exact same situation. He was confused by the peaceful gesture that now came from a hated enemy. You know, historians tell us that when they total up all the stuff that the king of Syria delivered to the king of Israel in modern day value, it would be about $1.2 million. Think about that for a minute. That he came and he gave to the king of Israel just so Naaman could approach them for healing. And then there was Elisha. He was given an opportunity to use his influence for increase and to help someone. But he had to make a decision. He was pulled in. The servants of Naaman saw their master making poor decisions. And they had to make a decision whether or not they would say something or help him in this time make the proper decision. And then, of course, as we saw, Gehazi had to choose between being a man of integrity or being a man of iniquity. He 
had to make a choice. He was pulled in to a situation that was going to change his season. So number one, new seasons begin with new circumstances. Secondly, I want you to see that new circumstances require new thinking. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to start thinking different. Zig Ziglar says we need to do a checkup from the neck up to eliminate stinking thinking. I like that, don't you? When your season changes, you can't think the same way that you've thunk before. You've got to change your perspective. You have to do something different, whether you want to or not. Now, let's go back to Naaman. He looks down and he sees that he's developing this skin disease, these white things on his, on his arm. And he knew what it was. He knew that it was leprosy. And he was forced to make a decision, what am I going to do about this? Am I just going to let it take my life over? Am I just going to let it go without any kind of a decision to try to thwart the spread of this disease? What am I going to do? And so he had to make a choice. He had to pursue the things that could provide healing. Let me just stop long enough to make a few of you mad if that's okay. Do you mind if I do that? I don't, I don't understand the mentality that we have in the Pentecostal church where we expect God for miracles, but we want him to do things our way. We don't want to go to the doctor. We don't want to ask the doctor what he thinks or she thinks. We don't want to go take medicine. We don't want to take anything that might help us or improve us whatsoever because we'd rather be people of faith I've known a lot of people of faith that died when they could have taken a pill that might have helped them. I know some of you think, oh, there goes Pastor again. He's on one of those tangents, you know. I'm a person of faith. Listen, I'm a person of faith. I believe with every ounce of my energy that my God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power that works in us. He can heal you. He can heal me. He can heal any disease. But sometimes he wants you to go to the doctor. And sometimes he wants you to get some natural help. Who do you think gave those doctors the ability to help you? Who do you think gave those physicians the ability to do surgery and take cancer out of your body? Who do you think uh, gave those nurses the ability and the compassion to help you? Who do you think gave those chiropractors the ability to straighten you up and straighten you out? They didn't do it on their own, but they did it by the power of God. Listen, don't be so stubborn. A couple of years back, I, I, you know, I found out that I had some issues that I had to deal with. And I went to the doctor and I said, listen, I want to try this on my own if I can. I know that exercise and diet can help the condition that I've been dealing with. And will you work with me? And the doctor said to me, I will work with you as long as it works for you. But there may come a day, preacher, when you have to take a pill in order to get the results that you want. And I said, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I've got three grandchildren that I want to see grow up, graduate, 
get married, have children of their own so that I can be not just pops, but great pops. I'm already a great pops. But I mean a great pops. I said, I am not going to fight you over a pill if it's what I have to do. But until I have to have it, I'm going to work with the Lord and let the Lord work with me. And I'm going to do what I need to do. So some of you, listen, God can heal you. But until he does, work with your doctor and take your pills and let them help you in the name of the Lord. Now, that was all free. That wasn't preaching. That was meddling in your business. Because I don't want you to die prematurely. We need you here. He had to pursue the things that would allow healing to take place in his life. Now, the servant girl, can you imagine how bitter that little girl might have been as she looked at this this man named Naaman every day and know he's the one responsible for taking me from my household. He's the one responsible for killing my dad and my brothers. He's the one responsible for, for what I'm having to go through in my life. I hate his existence. I, I hate his guts. I'm not going to help him. I'm not going to do anything except turn more bitter in my spirit because of what he did to me. Is that the route she took? No, the scripture says that she looked at him with compassion and said to Naaman's wife, if only my master were with the prophet in Israel, he would heal him. I feel like meddling a little bit more, but I'm, I might not do it. Some of us need to let go of the bitterness and start thinking better thoughts so that God can lift us to a higher place than we've ever lived before. You say, but you don't know what so-and-so did to me. It doesn't matter. Get over it. Let the Lord help you and heal your spirit and let you think differently. The kings could have, could have done something differently uh, and, and could have built bridges together. The, the, the king of Syria could have said, hey, the king of Israel is finally seeing things my way. Maybe we can get along for a little bit. Maybe I can think differently. Maybe I can receive $1.2 million. Let me tell you, I'm just going to stop preaching for just a second. If any of you have $1.2 million that you're just needing to get rid of, just bring it to me after church and I'll sanctify it in the name of the Lord and I'll use it. Amen. I'll use every penny of it too. But $1.2 million and he cannot think about the possibility that something good is about to happen here. I understand it. How many of you have an enemy? Can I see your hands? Let's try that again. How many of you have an enemy? How many of you, your enemy is sitting right next to you? No, don't, 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 don't do that. <clears throat> it's kind of understandable, Greg, because the king of Israel had been trying to kill the king of Syria for a long time. And the king of Syria had been trying to kill the king of Israel for a long time. They were enemies. And now all of a sudden, the king of Syria comes to the king of Israel and offers him a gift that totals $1.2 million. Let me ask you, if your enemy came up to you with a fresh 
bottle of water and said, I brought this so that you might be refreshed. How many of you are like me? The first thing you'd do is check to see if the seal was broken. And then you'd look up here around the neck to see if there's any small holes where a syringe might have gone through. How many of you would have seen if there was some kind of greasy substance around the top? You would have checked it out. You know why you'd do all that stuff? Because you'd think in your mind, this joker's trying to kill me. Because he put poison in here somehow. I don't know how he did it, but he's trying to kill me. Do you see what I'm saying? There are times that we have to change our way of thinking in order to allow the blessing of God to come into our lives. The kings were, they, they had to understand that I am in a new season. I've got new circumstances. Things are different here in this situation. Then there was Elisha. He was given the opportunity for his influence to increase. In other words, Elisha heard that Naaman had come and that the king was frustrated with Naaman. And so Elisha came to the king and he said, hey. Chill out, man. Why are you tearing your clothes off? It's okay. I'm here. Just tell him that there is a prophet in Israel and send him to me. You know, Elisha could have stayed at home and watched NFL. He could have stayed at home and watched the Olympics. He didn't have to take that opportunity. He wasn't being pushed into a situation. He was being pulled into it. But as the circumstance changed, Elisha understood that I have to think differently about this circumstance so that I can do something different than I've ever done before. So Elisha had to see it differently. And then there are the, 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 the servants of Naaman and, and, and how that they had encouraged Naaman to lay aside his stubbornness so he could receive his healing. You, I read it to you. Naaman, he's got leprosy on his arm. He finally goes over. Elisha come, sends, a, sends a representative and says, tell him to come to my house. And when Naaman gets to Elisha's house, Elisha won't even come outside and see him. And so he said, just tell him to go dip himself seven times in the river. And Naaman got all frustrated because he said, I thought surely that he would come out to where I am and that he would wave his hand and I would be healed by the wave of his hand instead. I've got to go dip in that dirty Jordan River. Couldn't I go home and dip in the Abana in the far part? They're much cleaner. Uh, they're much cleaner rivers than the Jordan. Why do I have to do it this way? And his servant said, "Hey, permission to speak? Can I say something to you, Naaman, that might be helpful to you in this moment? Why, sir, are you being an idiot?" Why would you not just dip in the water? What's it going to hurt for you to dip in the water? The man of God, not just any man of God, 
But the man of God who took the mantle of Elijah and punched the, the cloak on the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the water came out. The same man that took a little salt and put it in the rivers and said, this river will have death in it no longer, but from this day forward, it will have life in it. The same man who cursed all the young men because they were making fun of him and they were mauled by a bear, 42 of them. This same prophet who has done all of these things has spoken something that is very easy for you to do. Why are you getting so upset over something that if you'll just do it, uh, God will be able to set you free? I think about my, I, I think about people through the years that they were this close, this close to just getting total victory in their lives. Just this close. And yet that one thing that God required of them, they were unwilling to do because it made no sense to them at all. And instead of trusting God, they decided that they would do things their own way. And listen, when you do things your own way, God's not going to bless that. I've been asking the prayer team to help me to be nicer than I've been lately. Help me not be so mean. God willing, I won't have to roll my, my pants up to, today as I preach to you. But listen to me, congregation, some of you are so close. Some of you are so close to letting God take you into a new season spiritually. And you're feeling in your heart and your mind that there's something that God wants from you. And for whatever reasons, you're refusing to give it. Listen carefully to me today. Give it to him. Turn it over to the Lord so that he can then say, now that we have that obstacle out of the way, I can pour blessings upon you that you will not be able to contain. Don't be stubborn with the Lord. Then these guys, they said to Naaman, they said, listen, you're being an idiot right now. This is just nonsense, the attitude that you have. And you need to put all this aside so that you can get the blessings of God. And then there's one final thought this morning I want to share with you. First of all, new seasons begin with new circumstances. Secondly, new circumstances require new thinking. And finally, new thinking is what establishes your new season. I wish that as a preacher, as a representative of God, that I could stand here before you today and say, every one of you will be blessed. Every one of you are going to go into a new season of blessing. I wish I could say that. But the bottom line is, is that you're the only one who can control that. You may very well be moving into a new season. But the way that you think about that new season is what will establish whether it is good or bad. How many of you want to go into a good season? Just out of curiosity, how many of you couldn't give a diddly rip and you want to go into a bad season? Can I see your hands? Because I need to pray for you. We all want to go into a new season of blessing. Sadly, you're the only one who can control that. I used to think when I was a kid growing up that when the preacher spit on you, 
and knocked you down in the floor. He's sweating. He messes your hair up. There was, there was this one evangelist I remember from several years ago. He had both of his hands just like this. And he just put them in your hair and he just, woo. <laughs> How many of you remember Tim Finlayson? Anybody? He preached here about five years ago, something like that. He was, he's matured a little now, but when he was younger, man, he liked to mess people up. I mean, he messed them up. We, we had him for revival at a church, and we, we had this one lady. She was one of those ladies that every hair was always in place. I mean, it was big, too. It was way out here, perfectly rounded. I mean, uh, the, it, everything was just right. It was always, and, and, she, and she always wore the, everything, her clothes were just always just right, and the high heels and all that kind of thing, and she was just... She was Mary Kay personified. <laughs> and one night he said, all right, you want to get prayed for tonight? I want everybody to line up right down this middle aisle right here and come up here. I'm going to pray for you. And she was the first one in line. And I thought, oh, dear Jesus, it's a pastor's nightmare. And she came and she, she stepped up there and tent. <laughs> I think it was Tim, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was Tim. It could have been Randy. I'm not sure, but I'm, I think it was Tim. But anyway, he looks at her, and you know, he had to, you know, sometimes you got to get that thing moving a little bit. Crank that baby up, crank that baby up, crank that baby up. And finally, he got that anointing just about where he wanted, and he put his hands up in the air, and I'm over on the side going, oh, Jesus. Put his hand on her face, streaked her makeup all the way down. She kicked her high heels off, going everywhere. I thought to myself, oh, we won't have anybody here tomorrow night. Nobody will come tomorrow night. The church was full of people. And they had heard about him doing that, and they wanted him to do that to them. Listen, if you want some of that, you come on up today and I'll do it just for you. But let me tell you that it doesn't matter how heavy I spit on you today. And it doesn't matter how many times I slap you in the noggin with my Bible. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is that when you leave here, you start doing something different than you were doing before you came here. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Damon went down into the water, the scripture says, and he dipped seven times. This is where Pentecostal preachers, man, they can get excited. He went down the first one, bless God. He came up unchanged in the name of the Lord. He went back down a second time in the name of the Lord. He came back up. Hey, I'm too old and too out of shape to dip myself behind this pulpit seven times. I'm just here to tell you this morning 
that when he got up after the seventh time, the scripture says that his skin was clean and it was like a baby skin. He had been healed by the power of the God of Israel. Amen. How did that happen? It's because he put away his selfishness and wanting to dip in the far par in the Albana River. And he said, if God wants me to get in this muddy river called Jordan, I don't care. I'm getting in. What do I have to lose? I can't lose anything here. God has spoken. And if God has spoken, I am going to do what God has told me to do. And his thinking lined up, and because it did, he had a a productive new season. The servant girl continued to serve, but now she was able to look at a man who was healed, and he was healed because she had had enough faith and boldness to say, if my master would only go see the prophet who is in Israel, he would heal him of his disease. Naaman would have never been healed if it had not been for the words of that servant girl. You never know, church, when that word that you speak and that kindness that you bestow is going to open up a new realm of blessing for someone. So you need to be willing. The kings, they couldn't get along. And because they couldn't get along, they continued to fight one another for years and years and years. And even today, Israel and Syria is still at odds. God gave Gave them a, pl- a, a place in time and history when they could have put it all behind them and build bridges that would have brought peace, but instead they held on to their old way of thinking, and because of it, they were cursed all that time. Elisha used this opportunity to send a strong message that there is a prophet in Israel who represents the living God. The country needed to know, I am here to represent the God who loves you and is able to provide everything that you have need of. Elisha could have stayed silent. Elisha could have kept the good news to himself. But instead, he did what was necessary to bring a miracle into the life of Naaman. And because he did, not only was Naaman healed, but the nation of Israel could get up every morning and know that there is a prophet in Israel who speaks on behalf of God. And then there's one other character. His name is Gehazi. Gehazi paid a high price because he selected to go down the road of iniquity rather than integrity. Let me tell you something. I don't care what it is that you're trying to accomplish and I don't care who you are today. If you don't do what you do with integrity, God will take his blessings off of you and he will put the curse of the world upon you. You say, are you trying to scare me now? No, I'm just telling you the truth. God requires purity among his people. Friday night we were doing a little get together out at the back and we were sitting and talking and By the way, can I just take a moment and just say how grateful that I am for the senior adults that we have here at Spirit Life. Now, we had more than senior adults. 
But I was sitting at the table of senior adults, and they were, they were just saying, I'm so thankful for what God is doing in our church. We've come a long way, Pastor. God's blessed us. One of them even said, you're doing a pretty good job. I went home, wrote that down. Put who said it. I said, praise the Lord. You know, it's not that I'm doing a good job. It's that God is doing a great job. But you know why God is able to bless us right now? Because we've determined in our mind that the first thing we're going to do in every situation is establish integrity. We know what the lack of integrity can do. But we also know what the appearance and the and 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 having integrity in our lives and in our ministry will do. Gehazi was the servant of Elisha. Gehazi had the opportunity to go wherever Elisha went. And when Elisha took the cloak and split the waters, Gehazi was there. He saw it. When Elisha said to the 50 prophets, you don't need to go look for Elijah, he's not here. Sure enough, three days later, they came back and said, he's not there. And he said, I told you so. Gehazi was there. Gehazi was there when in chapter 4, the widow was ministered to by Elisha. Gehazi was there. Let me tell you something. You can be in and around church all your life. You can be raised in church. You can know all the right things to say. You can have all the religious wording down. But if there's no integrity in your heart, there will come an opportunity for you to go that direction, the direction of iniquity. Naaman came to Elisha and he said, let me bless you. Look at all these things that I can give you. Look at all these blessings that I can transfer to you. Thank you for allowing me to be healed. Thank you for speaking the word of faith over me so that my new season could be a good season. And Elisha said, no, I won't receive a thing. I won't take a thing from you because this is not the time to receive offerings and blessing and flocks and male servants and female servants. This is not the time for that. I will not receive a thing. Gehazi was there. And it irritated Gehazi that he would not receive it. Think of all the good that this could do. Think of all that we could do with this. And when Elisha was not looking, Gehazi ran after Naaman. And he said, hey, 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 wait, come back, come back. My servant, Elisha, my my master Elisha, sent me to tell you that he thought about it. And he's changed his mind. He does need that. And Naaman freely gave it to him. And he said, in fact, I'll give you more than what you're asking for. Just take it. And he took it and he hid it. And you know the rest of the story. 
And Elisha, when he confronted him, he said, Hey, son, where have you been? He looked right in the eyes of Elisha and he said, I have been nowhere. It comes to my mind right now, I wonder how many times we lie to God. How many times we lie to the Spirit of the Lord and then expect Him to bless us. It'll never work. Elisha looked at him and he said, Didn't you know that when you went, my spirit went with you? And when that man jumped down off of his chariot to come to meet you, did you not know that I was there too? And he paid a high price for his greed because the Bible says that Elisha said, The leprosy that was on Naaman will now be transferred to you and will stay with you for the rest of your life. God didn't kill him. He continued to live. In fact, he continued to serve as Elisha's servant. But every day, he had to look at the reminder of the choice that he made. Will you stand with me this morning?